again, everyone. Welcome to an extreme edition of the Vacant Title Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mack. With me, as always, is the man whose day one will always be H, Rob Hoffman. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> if, I mean, if we're doing this extreme by WWE standards, I mean, uh, I hope you guys aren't getting too excited. Right, yeah. It, it We're probably going to fall asleep about halfway through. That's how extreme it's going to be. Well, I mean, I actually I enjoy most of the card. It's just a total misrepresentation of the word extreme. Yeah, no, there was there was nothing extreme about the pay per view. Like, like the rules were extreme in the sense that they were extremely specific, or <laughs> kind of like they were extreme in their nature of like you know being rules. I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, let's do this. Let's let's talk about the concept of extreme rules before we jump into the actual results, because. Um, I agree. I think there's a problem here. Um, to me, the the biggest thing that stood out was how are you going to have a pay-per-view that's based on the matches being extreme and then add a stipulation to one match where if somebody gets disqualified, they lose their title. Like, you're just embellishing the disqualification, completely, you know, turning away from what extreme rules should be. Right. It's, it doesn't make sense. And I mean, you nailed it in the last the last one too when you said, uh, you know, if you were to have a chairs match, is somebody going to get disqualified if they use a table? Well, no. It's just it's it, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a not a good concept for a pay per view. If you're going to do extreme rules, then just make the matches extreme rules. Give us ECW t- uh, you know type matches, which I think is what they were initially went for. Yeah, it was, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I thought the concept was supposed to be. Is like it was no holds barred for every single match. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think the first Extreme Rules was um, back when they had like ECW as the third brand, right? Um, and it was John Cena and Rob Van Dam in the main event, and it was like a really like ECW style crowd and uh, the whole that show. Might have been one night stand. Was it okay? Yeah, yeah, that was different. It was definitely you know the inspiration for the idea, though. Oh, totally, totally. Because that crowd was incredible, and WWE right. tried to continually tries to uh, replicate that environment, but they're missing the point of why everyone was uh, all about it. Yeah, they're not doing a good job of maintaining this extreme rules kind of thing. All right, yes. so let's uh, let's jump into the card. Um, and I actually I think it started off pretty well. I thought I really enjoyed the match between the Miz and Dean Ambrose. Yeah, Just, that was an, that, that was an awesome match. I'm glad that. Uh, they had John Cohn not play an idiot and fall, you know, <laughs> just disqualifies D, uh, Dean Ambrose for the um, Marie slapping the Miz. Right, yeah, I'm glad they didn't play that angle. That would been... Yeah, the ending was a little, you know, weird or whatever, but it yeah, worked for me. The I whole match worked for me. Right, I didn't mind it because you knew the Miz was going to use that rule somehow. Right. Um, and I, I like that it didn't just end with Ambrose getting disqualified because it would have taken away from the Miz's win. Um, not that... You know, you're always expecting the Miz to get a dirty win somehow, but exactly, yeah. But uh, I liked the, the match was good. They told their story. I liked the result. I wanted the Miz to win that there. Um, by the way, as as I'm remembering this now, I totally forgot to tweet our picks. Uh, we, oh yeah, I think we, we did fairly well. There was uh, there were six matches on the card. I think we were like right around 500. So yeah, I have no mm-hmm. idea. Because, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> six flags. <laughs> Wearing my Dash and Dawson shirt, a lot of, a lot of, uh, I literally had three different people com- uh, compliment me on my shirt. That's pretty cool. So you wore the Dash and Dawson shirt, Top guys? Right. Oh, so not the classic. Um, oh, was it a different one? No, it's the uh, no flips, just fists. Right, but you went on a, a bunch of roller coasters that had flips. That is a good point. <laughs> <laughs> and probably did not throw any fists, so it was a very no. misleading shirt for that day. No, the only <laughs> thing I threw was my hat off of a roller coaster. Yeah, that was, that was not not a good idea. Um, <laughs> anything else on Miz and Ambrose? Uh, I like um, I like that. Like I said, I like that they give the, the title back to the Miz. I do like that they're building up his um, you know his resume with this being his seventh Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, I think he's what like third all time now behind. Jericho and Honky Tonk Man and Jeff Jarrett, I think. Jeff Jarrett's a weird one. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, I was talking to someone the other day about Jeff Jarrett and how I've literally never been interested in anything he's ever done. You know, the Attitude Era has a lot... It, it was entertaining, but it has a lot of just, like, really bad undertones to it. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. All right, we'll move on um, to this just out-of-nowhere mixed tag match that nobody was really all that interested in. Um, at least I'll speak for myself there. I don't know about you. I know you were a big 205 Live fan, but to me this felt like um, it was kind of forced. Yeah, I mean, it was forced. It was even forced in the 205 Live um, universe <laughs> <laughs> storyline, whatever, overarching thing. I just, I, I, I don't know. This is the popcorn match. Yes. Um, I, I think what they were initially going for was uh, this should just be Sasha Banks against Alicia Fox, but then they realized that this was in uh, Rich Swan's hometown, and right. they needed to get him on the card, so that was this was their answer to that. That uh, makes sense. Yeah, it, it just that's the only ideal. logical explanation, because why else yeah. are you having this match, really? Yeah, it's not ideal, but it makes sense. Um, the match wasn't bad, because you got a lot of people in there that can perform. Um, it just, you know... It was, like you said, a popcorn match, and uh, they didn't give him a whole lot of time. It was six, just over six minutes. Yes, so. which was somehow longer than the next match on the card. Yes. felt like an eternity, despite only being five minutes and ten seconds. Right, and um, I will say for sure, uh, this is the low point of the card, because I think after this point, uh, every other match was entertaining, despite yeah. despite having some flaws, but... Um, yeah, Alexa Bliss against Bailey in a kendo stick on a pole match. This was just doomed from the beginning. And this kind of goes with what we were talking about before with the rules. Like, who? what determines who gets the kendo stick? Do you both get to use it? Do you get disqualified if you... Right. All, all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, there was no clear, like, someone got the kendo stick. It kind of just fell. They both fell out of the ring. The right, which thing, just which completely is, destroys the rule. Like, Because I, 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 I think the concept is if you pull the, down the kendo stick, you can use it, and that's it. But right. then what happens? Like, it fell, and neither one of them grabbed it first, and I don't know. It was not. It's just a terrible concept. If you're going to do a match like this, which please don't, but it has to be the classic pink slip on a pole match where it, like, once you pull that thing down, the match is over. Yeah. That's yeah. the only way you can do it. And, and even then, it's, it's just a, it's a bootleg version of a ladder match. I don't know if there were um, any wrestling moves done in this match. Um, Maybe a couple. No, nothing I can remember. I, I barely hit a, uh, I think a belly-to-back suplex at some point, but that, that was probably about it. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was not good, which is such a shame because, I mean, the talent involved in this is uh, it's definitely up there, and they're terribly misusing it. Yeah, it's insane. I, I can't believe you took... First of all, they mismanaged Bailey leading up to WrestleMania in the, in the couple of months before WrestleMania. Then you had her pin Charlotte at WrestleMania... And now you have her jobbing out to Alexa Bliss in a kendo stick on a pole match in five minutes. I, I, I don't get what they're looking at here. I don't understand the formula. That entire feud was just a disaster. And it has nothing to do with Bailey and Alexa. Although, I mean, Bailey kind of doesn't perform on the mic, in my opinion. Agreed. She just, delivery isn't there. I don't, it's, it, <clears throat> it's, it's honestly not working for me. And I think... It, just uh, let me get off on a little bit of a tangent here. The reason she was so over and worked so well in NXT is because she was the underdog. She was like Sami Zayn, uh, the way he was booked in NXT too, you know, coming up short in the big matches and then finally getting their moment or whatever else. Whereas here, it's like, oh, she's over or gets that initial pop off the bat because people, you know, there is some, uh, you know, uh, recognizance of what she did in NXT. But that being said, when you take away that underdog angle and she just gets the belt right off the bat, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for her character. Then you're left with nowhere to go. The hero's journey was complete without actually being told. And uh, it kind of uh, really hurt her. It has really hurt her on the main roster. Yeah, and that that goes back to uh, whatever pay-per-view it was where she actually won the title from, uh, from Charlotte. And we said it then. We said that they... That was a terrible, mis- like booking mistake right there, and they screwed up what Bailey could have been. Uh, yeah. Now Alexa said that Bailey's in her past. What do you? Where do you think this is going to go? Are we? Is, are we really done with Alexa versus Bailey? Um, and if so, what's next for for the champ and for Bailey? Well, I think for Alexa Bliss, they're just going to go into a few with Nia Jax. Do you think that um, is the case? I'm not sure 
where exactly they're going because of what they did on Raw. It was a little bit weird. Like Mickey James and Dana Brooke were involved. Um, I don't know that I could see Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax because I don't see Nia being a face. Um, Alexa yeah, is obviously the dastardly heel. So that is true. I don't. I, I can see them having a mini feud that maybe they get one pay per view match, but I don't see it going anywhere past that. Uh, and even if you do that, it's gonna have to be a, like some sort of dirty finish, and somebody else is gonna have to be involved. I, I'm not. I'm just not sure how they play that out. Yeah, I really. I'm not sure where they're going with this. Um, I don't know. I guess we're just gonna wait and see because you're you're right that it, it doesn't make sense to do the whole Nia Alexa thing with them both being heels. Unless they're gonna go with David versus Goliath thing. Or... Well, do we think uh, Sasha Banks and Alicia Fox are finished now? Because I could see Sasha going into the feud with Alexa. That would be good. Um, I have no idea. I hope it is because I, I do think um, that that could be a good feud. I could see Alexa and Sasha putting on some good matches. Sasha's not great on the mic, but she's still better than Bailey. So she was um, a good heel. That's the problem. And I mean, I guess the problem in general is it's so much easier and more fun to be a heel. Well, see, this um, is where I, I think they could play this out. Is Sasha eventually, you know, feuds with Alexa and eventually goes over, and um, you know, with Bailey sort of being intertwined in that, uh, then you could eventually have Sasha finally turn on Bailey, and then you have the Sasha Bailey feud. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. It'd be <clears> nice <throat> if they told that story. Right, I, I could see that playing out that way. Um, will it? Probably not. Well, instead, we'll maybe we'll get Alexa Bliss versus Dana Brooke for the next four months. Who knows? Oh my God! Please don't. <laughs> I want to like Dana Brooke just because I want to. Like <clears throat> everyone, I want to give everyone a chance, but she's not good. She's not good. Uh, um, yes, I agree. <laughs> her feud with Bailey back um, last fall was terrible. She had so many botches. She accidentally won a match clean over Bailey on Raw. I will um, I will sum up my feelings on that feud by telling you I don't remember it. So, <laughs> well, because in the like early like I don't know after they had one pay per view match, it was literally on a raw. Dana Brooke was supposed to be using her feet for leverage on the ropes, and they slipped off, and she didn't reestablish them, so she just straight up pinned Bailey clean. <laughs> Bailey didn't kick out because you know she wasn't the, supposed to. You're right. The ref was supposed to spot uh, uh, what's her name, Dana Brooke, cheating, and didn't see her cheating because she wasn't in count of three. So after that, they jobbed Dana out to Bailey like the next week or on the next pay per view, and then Dana Brooke was off TV for months. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Uh, well. So I hope <laughs> they don't get her involved in the main event scene for the women on Raw at all. Ugh. Yeah. I'm not even complaining about anything else about the Kendo stick on a pole thing. I'm just, whatever, I'm over it. Let's move on. <laughs> Five minutes of hell. Yeah, agreed. Um, Although, the one thing I will say, credit again to WWE's video packaging team, because they made the shit-level feud look like it was actually interesting with the pre-match video. So. Oh, and one other thing I did want to touch on, too. Well, you're right, by the way, because they're, they're, they always do a great job with their video packages. But um, the fact that they just embraced that Alexa Bliss's um, This Is Your Life segment was the worst thing ever, that was phenomenal. They did it a yeah. couple of times. Bailey and Kurt Angle both did it. Yeah, I mean, it is now canon that that was one of the worst segments in the history yeah, of the world. Yeah, and that's fantastic. Um, because, you know, you can't just, if you bury it, it's literally going to stay out there as, like, the worst segment. But if you right. embrace it, it becomes a joke that you're, you know, a part of now. So they did a yeah. good job with that. Yeah, at least they acknowledged, mm. like, holy crap, that was terrible. And, like, the actors and that were so bad, but it wasn't like, remember when Rusev had his fake lawyer or whatever in the ring? Rusev's yeah, fake lawyer? I don't remember oh that. God, they had some terrible actor doing this awful, like, terrible Russian accent. And it was so bad that commentary literally just started burying it <laughs> while it was happening on air. But it was actually entertaining because of how bad it was. Oh my god! I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you the video right after we're done recording. Yes, that is something I would have to check out. Uh, let's move on. Cesaro and Sheamus against the Hardy Boys uh, in a cage match for the championships. Um, anything you want to jump right into? I I had a problem right from the beginning with this one. Well, I'll give you my quick summary of my thoughts on the match. Really good match for the story that they. Well, no, not even a story because. Mike Rape of the Steel Cage match, but um, <laughs> the match was good if you take away the Steel Cage aspects of it. I mean, the wrestling was good, 
Jeff Hardy was doing Jeff Hardy things. Cesaro and Sheamus are very entertaining. But being able to escape a cage match to win is still the dumbest thing in professional <laughs> wrestling. It's so ignorant. Like, there's nothing about it that made sense. It didn't make sense for Jeff Hardy to abandon Matt. Well, maybe it did to an extent. But then there was a moment where I think Cesaro was down, or Sheamus was down, and Cesaro was trying to escape, or whichever way it was. Yeah. It was just the three of them left in. Yeah. And then Matt attacks the guy. Whereas, like, if you're thinking about it... You just let him leave, and you have yeah, that one-on-one now. and then you're one-on-one. Right. Yes. There's so much about it that didn't make sense. It wasn't clear that... Once Jeff Hardy re-entered the ring, that he had to be back out, you know, for the end. It would have made more sense if somehow Jeff was dragging Matt out, but uh, I don't know. It, it, all of my gripes with this match just have to do with the fact that I, I still think it, steel cage matches are worse than Kendo stick on a pole match. <laughs> just as um, a concept. And let's be clear here: it's not even just the tag team rules because just escaping the steel cage in a one-on-one match is still a stupid concept. Um, well, I'm fine with climbing over, honestly, to an extent. Because, like, say, you know, you had a Braun Strowman versus Kalisto. Mm-hmm. Braun Strowman's not going to be climbing out of a steel cage. But Kalisto, you know, if you want to tell good storytelling, wouldn't necessarily really pin or submit Braun Strowman. Right. So his way is climbing out of the cage. That is where a cage match makes sense. Opening the door and walking out to mine too, for the record. Yeah, but, Agreed. There is a way a steel cage match makes sense in wrestling, either to keep the cowardly heel in or to give the smaller guy a way to win or whatever, not just to have like a weird gimmick to end a match. Right. So my problem with this started before the match actually happened. It came back when they announced the stipulation. Right. Um, The Hardys picked it. Right. And not only for all the issues that we already have, that we've already talked about with the steel cage match. My problem is with the fact that the Hardys have all of this history, all of this experience. They are the kings of the ladder match. Yeah. They came back at WrestleMania, beat Sheamus and Cesaro in a ladder match, and then picked a steel cage match. Yeah. I, it's like they didn't want to do what was obvious because it was obvious. Yeah. Well, I think it's also they, they just had a ladder match with uh, uh, NXT. They just, oh, they're having yeah. the ladder match Money on in Money in the up. Bank. Yeah. So they didn't want to have too many ladder matches in a row. But you're destroying... Why, why didn't they just have Sheamus and Cesaro win and then they pick the steel cage match then? That just makes way more sense. Um, I don't know. Right, just, especially because then they're heels for grounding the Hardys. Right, exactly. There you go. Although Jeff wasn't grounded anyway. Right, well, Jeff, Jeff Hardy story, can never be that's grounded. That's story. Then. Yeah, he exactly. ground me anyway. Right. So... so it Damn, just, <laughs> just doesn't make any sense. The the plot holes just are all over the place sometimes. Yeah. I don't even know why I'm adding sometimes in there. It's all the time. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but That's like you said. My biggest fear is, um, I guess this isn't related to Extreme Rules, but still Raw. That's what my biggest fear is right now with this whole Corey Graves, Kurt Angle texting storyline. I feel like it has the potential to just go really stupid places. Oh, it definitely does. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into that some more later because there are a few things from Raw that I want to touch on. Yeah. Um, so continuing with the tag match, uh, I, I can't remember, were the Hardys on Raw at all this week? I don't think so, right? Uh, if they were, I did not see them. Yeah. Let me do a quick control F of the recap that I have open. Uh, (laughs) no, they did not appear at all. So that's interesting. Um, I am interested in seeing where uh, they go with uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. Um, yes. I mean... I'm glad that they're still together. Oh, yeah, I'm agreed. I'm glad that they're champions again. Yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more talking about who's their next feud. I, oh, I don't know no, if the Hardys course, just continue. Um, I think that the Hardys will get one more match. Obviously, they're going to have their rematch at some point. Surprised they didn't just do it the night after on Raw. Yeah, um, I, I think this is... I think we're eventually going to see the Hardys split, though. I agree. Um... But I, I hope they can somehow get some kind of broken, or even some kind of broken adjacent gimmick for Matt to, to go off of. Yeah, because I'm starting... We know, we, we know Jeff can excel as a singles guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Matt can, too. He's kind of proven that over the Indies. I just don't know if they're going to let him run with it. Yeah. I, his I, broken gimmick that was going on. Yes. Was like, 
that's the thing. Even if you get Matt Hardy, um, you know, excelling in a singles role, there's always going to be that sort of that distraction, you know, the, the elephant in the room that he's not broken Matt Hardy. And it's always going to be just kind of pulling away from you a little bit. Um, I, I do think Jeff is the better singles competitor, so he doesn't really need oh, to rely course. on that. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go. I'm starting to lose faith that we do see the broken gimmick. Um, Me too. But who knows? It could come at any point. Uh, I want to see what happens after the Hardys uh, for Cesaro and Sheamus because as of right now, obviously, Enzo and Cass are wrapped up um, in a storyline. Um, there's not much else as far as the tag division goes. you got the club, but you're not going to have the club against the heel Cesaro and Sheamus. Right. I think the revival is what's going to be going on with Enzo and Cass. That seems... Assuming, assuming they're not splitting up. Which seems like it might be a thing too. Well, you know what? It's it's here right now. Let's just jump right into it um, sure. because I, this is a storyline that I want to talk about. And actually, I guess two different storylines at this point. I'm not even sure anymore. Yeah. Um, does this have anything to do with Kurt, uh, Kurt, Kurt Angle and the, the I know yeah Kurt Angle? Um, I have no idea anymore. So the revival just seems too obvious. I I, I don't think that's going to be the choice. That that's going to be who, who's attacking them. Um, because why would they have just made them the first suspects? It just seems like a weird choice. Um, yeah. I really don't know. I honestly kind of was feeling like it was going to be Cass that was attacking Enzo, uh, even though I thought it was too soon to break them up. Agreed. But obviously it's not that because Cass was jumped la- this week. So. Yeah, and here, if you want me to go over the Raw Tag Division real quick. Yeah. Hardy Boys, mm-hmm. Cesaro and Sheamus, okay. the, the Club, Enzo and Big Cass, The Revival, Heath Slater and Rhino. You had the Golden Truth breakup. Right. And that's all that you had. So actually, it even makes me think it's less likely that the Hardys are going to split up either. You can't have them and Enzo and Big Cass split up. And honestly, it's kind of hard to see, you know, see either of them split up with the lack of tag teams on Raw. Right. Um, so it, that's really interesting because... Are we even sure it's a tag team then? Because I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. Which one is hurt for the revival? Is it Dash or Dawson? I don't even know. Which I, one I, we'll, we'll say let's say it's Dash. Um, I think Dash is the one with the hair because he has an H in his name. I think that's what they said to do on the uh, they were on Stone Cold's podcast. <laughs> that is that is the case. So uh, Dawson is the bald one. Dash okay. has an H in his name. <laughs> well, that's and, brilliant. Yeah, and Dash is the one who's hurt. Um, right, and his jaw is wired shut. Am I right about that? Like, isn't that yeah. the case? So yeah, he's not happened. he's not close to a return right well, now, is he? He was ruled out for eight weeks, and this was mid-April. So honestly, we could be like one, two, three weeks away. Okay, so then I guess they could stretch the storyline out for it to be him, but um, it just still seems like it's too obvious a choice for it to be them. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I buy it, and. Is there a connection to this Kurt Angle, Corey Graves storyline? Right, because at one point it seemed like it when Enzo was confronting Big Cass. Right. And I don't know if you saw this online, it, kind of, it just became like a, a thing that everyone was pointing out on the internet, but um, the week before when Enzo was attacked, he had said, I want to shake the hand of the man who attacked Enzo, and then the next week on Raw, Cass shook his hand. Yes, yeah. Like, so there's, there's so many weird different things going on with all of this. It's kind of nice that it's intriguing, and you know we're left in suspense because we really have no idea where this is going. But, but knowing WWE and their plot holes and their penchant for bad storytelling, this could end up being really, really effing stupid. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I'm going to, despite everything that has happened over the last three or so months, uh, I'm going to look at this positively. I'm going to say I like the storytelling they're doing right now, and I think it could lead to something good. But well, you're probably right. It could it, yeah. it could absolutely lead to a huge letdown. And here here's the only other time that I could think of in WWE uh, canon or kayfabe or whatever that cell phones were involved in a story. <laughs> it was, unless you're laughing at something that I'm not thinking of. Um, this It was after CM Punk left with the title and then came back and everything else like that. It was like Kevin Nash texting himself from Triple H's phone or some BS like that, like where his text messages involved. And it was just like, 
it ended up being Kevin Nash texting himself. It was really stupid. <laughs> and I'm just afraid that we're going to end up with something like that. Oh, no. See, I was thinking of the anonymous Raw general manager. Oh, no. That was also awful. Yeah. But and that's what we're worried about here, too, is we get this long, drawn-out story with no payoff. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so here's how I'm going to fantasy book this. And it's not a complete fantasy booking because I don't know exactly who the 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 attacker is. But I, I'm going to say that they are connected, both storylines here. Okay. And Kurt Angle is getting text messages um, regarding somebody that has a reputation for kind of, you know, running roughshod through the locker room and just destroying everybody. Sort of like Braun Strowman, but I don't think it could be Braun Strowman in this situation. Right. Um, and so Corey Graves is warning him about, you know, he's hearing these rumors and everything. So this ha- Reich, isn't it? <laughs> it has to be some sort of free agent who has that sort of reputation um, that is doing this and Kurt Angle allowing this to happen could be the thing that he says would destroy him uh, and ruin his reputation and everything. So um, yeah, either that or it's Kurt Angle's split evil personality and he's doing it himself maybe, and he doesn't know about it. <laughs> maybe it's Team Angle. There you go. That's it, right there. It's Shelton Benjamin. Oh my um, god, that would be fantastic, actually. That that Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. Yeah, oh my god, that would be great. It's yeah. No, you just booked it. You finished my my uh, <laughs> my fantasy booking there. Uh, you got, oh. nailed it. Now I'm excited. Now I'm excited yeah, for actually, this. I really want that to be the case. Now <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this thing that's not going to happen. Apparently. Yeah. Also, speaking of Kurt Angle, um, Samoa Joe getting in his face. Uh, that was sick. Yes. I want them to face off. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, I see, man. I, I see that picture on Facebook Messenger of a bloody Joe standing behind Kurt Angle from TNA. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, if you're going to have uh, Kurt Angle come back for one match, having him having it be a uh, like a submission match against Samoa Joe, that would be fantastic. Or AJ Styles, or the three of them in a triple threat. Oh, there's so many great options, but uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's definitely one of them. Yeah, everything else, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Anything else with this Corey Graves, Kurt Angle, Enzo Cass, Raw Tag Team? Can we put a bow on all that? Yeah, no, I'm just excited for this fantasy booking we came up with. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Should we transition right into Joe here? Or, I mean, okay, do we want to say anything about the Cruiserweights other than it was a really good match? It was a very entertaining match again. Um, um, wasn't protected, surprised that Neville won. Yeah, and they protected Austin Aries very well throughout the entire feud. Yeah, He has an argument that he should have won every single match, or at least should have been in the running for every single match. Neville cheated to beat him twice. Yeah. He tapped Neville on the outside of the ring in the, in the rubber match. So, you know, there you go. Austin yep. Aries is very well protected. I hope you see him in a more prominent role, maybe out of the cruiserweight division and more on the main roster of Raw. I think he's that kind of talent in the ring on the mic. Agreed. We'll see. Yeah, yep, I agree with everything you just said. Um, I think Neville continue, needs to continue to have just a monster dominant run in, uh, on 205 Live and Raw. Right now, his current feud is shifted to TJ Perkins. It's heel versus heel. I think this is, and they're both playing the heel right now very well. You hate them both for separate reasons. <laughs> I think this is the uh, perfect opportunity just to continue to put Neville over everyone in a dominant fashion. Agreed. I want to say I think Neville should have this reign for a long time. He should run through the division. And eventually, the guy that should dethrone him is Tyler Bate. Oh my God! Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> be a phenomenal feud. Imagine the matches those guys could put on. Oh man, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, and then other two or five live stuff for in terms of fantasy booking. Still want to see Gargano and Ciampa coming up. Yeah, has anything happened with them yet? I think Ciampa had a segment on NXT recently, but I also saw that he got surgery after a takeover on his ankle that he hurt before takeover. Oh, uh, okay. And I think they're just going to play up the whole uh, Johnny's injured from the beatdown type thing. So it, that that feud might be on pause for a handful of months. Okay, that's understandable. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, it sucks because obviously the end of that takeover was just absolutely incredible. Right. But yeah. Uh, I'm also just interested to see where that feud actually happens. Yeah, yeah, whether it's going to be Raw slash 205 Live slash NXT, whatever. Um, I'm excited to see it. Um, I think I'm a couple weeks behind on NXT again. I am as well, actually. Somehow that's the one show I always fall behind on. And it's Um, honestly one of the ones that I enjoy the most, but yeah, I agree. Me me too, because (laughs) I kind of pay attention to Raw and SmackDown Live and then kind of, you know, catch up on what I have to if I wasn't paying attention. Right. 
Well, you see, where the problem lies for me with NXT is that after a takeover, they just do that sort of recap um, show and the dark matches. And then I I forget to go back and watch the week after that, and then it just kind of builds up on me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and then I I watch 205 Live Wednesday mornings at work. It's a great habit. Although I didn't do it this week, so whatever. Whoops. (laughs) Uh, All right, are we ready to move on to the main event? Yeah. All right. Really good match. It was. It, it, it was a little bit slow earlier on, but I mean, half an hour is a lot of time to fill. Yeah. So, th- my problem with it is uh, that we've had a lot of these sort of matches lately. Um, yeah. I think because of the like the way you know with injuries and everything, things have to be getting sh- shaken up a lot, and uh, you know we've had just like no number one contender, and the plans fell through, and then you have to throw everybody together. So you get this situation a lot lately, and it's kind of like it's kind of getting old. You can't really work a really good match between, you know, between five different guys. So what it ends up being is a spot fest. Yeah, and you just have people laying down on the ground outside. Right. That being like said, that. that being said, this was a very good spot fest. They did a good job. Yes. They hit they hit their spots in a big way and made it feel important. So uh, I can't complain too much about the match. Yeah. Um, I. I... They, they did a good job of getting, letting everyone get their stuff in to look pretty good. Um, I, I actually did like the way Roman Reigns was standing outside the ring. Or, I mean, inside. Ooh, wow. I'm not going to that out. <laughs> I'm drinking Diet Pepsi. Whatever, guys. Deal with it. I burped. Um, <laughs> I, I like the way you had Roman Reigns standing inside the ring early on when everyone else paired off. Yes. He was just getting that heat by doing that. I, I love that he's a heat magnet. I wish they would treat him like... It's so weird the way they book him. <laughs> um, you know what? I was going to say the same thing uh, that about him standing in the ring and kind of... It was perfect. They nailed the beginning of that match. Uh, I loved everything about that. You're right. He is an absolute heat magnet right now, and he does such a good job of it. But you know what? At this point, I don't want them to... To turn him, I don't. I want. I want him to stay with this sort of in between sort of attitude because he is sort of building up that that tweener attitude right now. Oh, he's, yeah, I he's mean, not at, a face. Look at Monday night the way Raw started off. I mean, Bray Wyatt was cutting his uh, you know promo that he does all the time, um, <laughs> and uh, Roman Reigns pretty much interrupted and said like without he didn't really counter anything Bray Wyatt said, which I guess you can't when you're talking to someone who's going on delusional rants, um, right? But he just said, you're in my yard, and here's what I think of you, and then just punched him in the jaw. Yep. Yeah. Like, what? What? <laughs> What's babyface about that? Um, what Make-A-Wish kid wants to see that? <laughs> I mean, if I was a Make-A-Wish kid, but... <laughs> Let's not go down that road. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's doing a great job with the character right now. I think uh, it's it's... So he was drawing a lot of comparisons to Cena with the whole, you know, let's go Roman, Roman sucks stuff. Um, it's very different at this point. He's gone down a completely different road because he, he's really playing into that character. Whereas as Cena was always strictly by the book babyface, Roman is sort of embracing this heel side and doing a good job of it, I think. Right. Um, granted, his character looks and, you know, has that feel a lot more than Cena's does, but he, um, I, I just, I like what they're doing with Roman Reigns right now. I, I'm still, yeah, I, I, I think, I think I do too. It's just weird sometimes. It, well, I'm still sick of Superman Roman Reigns and I don't need so much of that, but right. you know, I, I, it's getting better because, and probably because he's not at the title picture. Well, like, you know, actually holding the title right now. And I guess that's going to change eventually, but We'll That's see. what has made Cena tolerable over the and not even tolerable, really awesome honestly right. over the past few years is the fact that he's been out of the title picture. Right. And those few times where he is like feuding with AJ and Dean and everything else like that, you're more excited because he's out of the title picture. Right. We're not quite there with Roman yet because it's still obvious. He's still he's, lingering around. He's still gonna be well, back there. You know that this is ending with him going over Brock either at SummerSlam or WrestleMania for the yeah. title. And Which is then, why I kind of wish they would just do it and get it over with already. Yeah. See, that's the problem. I don't have a problem with, with uh, WWE being predictable in short-term storylines. But when we're, what, nine months out from WrestleMania and we already know that Roman Reigns is winning the main event, that's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, like, um, bringing this back to the match, you know, I was watching with my sister and she was asking, you know, who do you want to win this match? And I'm like, well, as a fan, 
I think I want Samoa Joe to win the most. And I'm not expecting that to actually ever happen. Right. But I was like, then again, I, I told her, you know, I really don't want him to because he's going to job out to Joe because I know that Roman Reigns is eventually going to be the one. I mean, he's going to job out to Lesnar because Roman Reigns is eventually the one going over Lesnar. So my real answer is, who do I want to win? I wanted Roman Reigns to win because let's just get there. That being said, everything that happened on Monday night totally made me so friggin' glad that Joe won. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, let's talk about how big of a surprise it was that Samoa Joe won, because um, I thought that there was a possibility that Roman Reigns would win, because you could build, you know, the Brock feud longer, and Roman could lose the first match, and then eventually go over WrestleMania. Uh, Finn Balor seemed to be everybody's favorite. Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be Finn or Bray. Which I am a card-carrying member of the Balor Club, so I, I was all over Finn Balor winning. I, I, didn't, I didn't really believe that Bray Wyatt could win that. I just, well, I, I don't I just see... He was the most likely one to be fed to Lesnar, in all honesty. I guess. Uh, I, I mean, Seth Rollins has been fed to Lesnar before, so I wouldn't have been shocked with that. I honestly wouldn't have been shocked if they just fed Finn to Lesnar. Um, well, I mean, Seth never totally jobbed out to Lesnar. He's involved with matches to him, but he never lost a singles match with him. The only singles no. match he had was the one where The Undertaker interfered. Well, I guess he was getting squashed at that point to an extent. Well, yeah, I, I was talking about the uh, the triple threat match at the Royal Rumble where, oh, wow. um, I mean, that the he first what? Yeah, that's right. That's and the true. first what, like 15 minutes of that match was just Cena and Seth alternating eating suplexes? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. Um Reigns has even been fed to Lesnar in... in, in of you know. course, but I, I think we're all over that at this point. And right. It seems like they're doing a good job of protecting Joe for the most part, where I think they would feed him to Lesnar. Right. Which makes me think also, again, based on Monday, maybe they're not going to feed him to Lesnar. And that is where what I was thinking as well. I, I'm not sure. Are, what kind of Brock Lesnar are we getting back? Are we getting back a vulnerable, vulnerable Brock Lesnar who has now two losses to... Well, I guess it was really only one loss... To um, to Goldberg, Goldberg yeah. um, who now has it in his mind that he can lose, or yeah, I, are we getting this, Suplex City again? That, that this could be an important turning point for Brock's current WWE run because his whole Suplex City thing was getting stale. Now he, there's Goldberg feud totally rejuvenated my interest in him to whatever extent. Um, even though I was very sick of the feud while it was going on. The WrestleMania match was the, you know, spam finisher fest that it needed to be, and it was kind of awesome. Yes. Uh, and I think that's the only kind of match that Goldberg could work. That being said, now that you've shown some vulnerability in Brock's <laughs> character, it really is. <laughs> now that you've shown that in his character, you can kind of, uh, this is, the door is now open for you to shift away from him just being suplex squash matches. Yeah, I think that this this window is open for to you know to transfer away from that character, um, but you have so, to do it right away. You can't come have him come back and squash Joe now and then expect yeah, to, us to believe it later. So what we should really expect at this point is just eight minutes with eight minutes with about probably seven suplexes and three F fives. Right. Um, I do think we will at least see the match start out with Brock squashing Joe, but maybe Joe gets some offense in. Um, catches him in the coquina clutch or something i know my dream is to have him choke out brock oh my uh, god it would be great uh joe holding the universal championship would be a lot better for the product right now than brock lesnar carrying it so it, it would definitely pop me for sure oh yeah it would pop probably everybody to be honest i don't think anybody expects samoa joe to be the champion but i mean nobody expects jinder mahal to be the champion so <laughs> <laughs> um don't disrespect the modern-day Maharaja. Not, not going there. We're not doing SmackDown this time. Not, not <laughs> happening. If I don't have to talk about Jinder Mahal, we're not talking about Jinder Mahal. Um, Smack was awful this week, in case you were interested in watching for something. I, I, I will it's touch... Shane McMahon. You know, I, was just gonna, I will touch on SmackDown a little bit. Um, Shane has not been good. <laughs> no, he hasn't at all. Uh, just... His match with AJ was good at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. I mean, at WrestleMania. Oh, in, in ring, I have no problem yeah. with him. But on the mic, he has been flubbing his lines left and right. Oh my god, he's so bad. I uh, I watched last week's SmackDown uh, considerably late um, and heard everything about it. Heard all the excitement behind the promo that led to the um, the women's Money in the Bank match, and which, by the way, is amazing. I'm so thrilled about that. Yeah. But everybody was talking about how how great that whole segment was, and really no. Shane botched it. Shane yeah, botched no, it pretty badly. He, I don't know. He hasn't been good on the mic. It's weird. He's a McMahon. He should be able to do this. 
Yeah. And, and he is. He's, we've you know seen it before for years, and yeah, I don't know something something wrong with him right now. You know he's what I think? Too much it, of a dad. Well, there's they're too leaning on him too much right now too, with no Daniel Bryan around. Yeah. Um, it's weird to think that he's the the least of the McMahon's. Yeah. Well, I mean Linda, but yeah, well, she's not a true McMahon. She married him. <laughs> Um, worst stomach son of all time. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. The whole McMahon lineage has some really bad stunner cells. <laughs> well, hey, now Shane had some of the best. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I digress. <laughs> uh, anything else from Extreme Rules? I think we pretty much wrapped that up. No. Samojo um, was a surprise win. Yeah, I liked it. The way he explained to Paul Heyman what it was going to feel like to be choked out by him and the way he got it in his face and was rubbing his head while he was doing it was absolutely incredible. It sucked for the live crowd, but whatever, screw him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that... people in Wilkes-Barre. That, that segment was great. I loved... Because, um, honestly, as that was wrapping up and Joe was about to leave, you heard the crowd chanting, we want Brock. And I, I literally said out loud, if you think Brock Lesnar's coming out right now, you're dumb. Yeah. You just haven't been watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Joe acknowledged that and he, with this, the so do I comment that before he left. so good. It, it, was, it was perfect. Um, this is the kind of booking that Samoa Joe needed. This is the kind of... I mean, I was a little bit into his initial debut as uh, Triple H's uh, henchman or whatever. Yeah, I kind of wish they didn't abandon that because I, I did like the idea behind that. But um, but this is you're right. This is great. This is this building up the Destroyer Samoa Joe that you know actually believably has a chance against Brock Lesnar and just making him look like a total badass. Yes, exactly. He should be this guy that that and is just destroying yeah. everybody. And credit to Paul Heyman for framing it on the mic for saying, you know, you're not afraid of Brock Lesnar. I can see that. You know what I mean? You know, that kind of thing yes. like that. And then and to then, go even further, the segment backstage with uh, with Heyman getting the phone call was uh, the icing on the cake. Yeah. Everything about it was great. And then that leading to Joe getting an angle's face saying, I'll take out anyone in my way, including you, just... Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think I had said it... I don't know if it was on our last podcast or the last time I talked to you, which I guess our last podcast was um, pretty recently. Yeah, a couple where I was weeks, yeah. kind of feeling exhausted with watching all of it and I wasn't into any of the storylines or anything else like that. Whereas that segment got me totally rejuvenated and excited to watch Raw on a week-to-week basis now just for that storyline. Yes, agreed. I, I like I like that a lot. I like the uh, the mysterious text message uh, text messages and attackers of Enzo and Cass. So Raw has some things going on right now that I like. Yeah. Um, on the SmackDown side of things, Money in the Bank is my favorite. My favorite non Big Four pay per view. Right. Um, I, I love the concept. I, I don't Me love too. the concept for the pay per view um, because it shouldn't yeah. be. It should just be the match itself. But exactly. The Money in the Bank concept is great i love that um it, it adds that extra layer of excitement to every show as long as somebody has the briefcase um yeah. so exciting build right now and it, like you said it is turning around a little bit it's starting to ramp up we're starting to see some good stuff so hopefully with money in the bank we we really get there and get some good product again yeah yeah uh, uh, Money in the Bank is exciting, like we said. It's kind of like what I'm really into. Or it's one of the, you know, to me, it's a big four over uh, Survivor Series at this point. Um, although last year's Survivor Series was pretty damn good and the whole Raw vs. SmackDown kind of up Survivor Series again. But I consider that to be one of the big four. I guess it's really big five. So it's not treated like it, per se. Um, I think it should be. Uh, I'm a little bit sick of seeing the same combination of singles guys. Wait, hang on. I, I, I'm missing something on the Big Five concept. Well, the Big Four is Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam. Right. I'm saying, to me, Money in the Bank is in that same echelon of okay. pay-per-views. Or at okay. least it should be in my It should opinion. be. You're right. And um, It's not. It's because it's, there's only those four right. cross-branded things. Yes. I think that, you know... If Money in the Bank is going to stay as its own thing rather than a match at WrestleMania or SummerSlam, that it should be a big five. But it also just gave me a great idea that if you do, like, Raw has their Money in the Bank at WrestleMania and SmackDown has theirs at SummerSlam, I think that's a baller idea, too. 
Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, although, then you're talking about four if you do both women as well. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so this actually leads nicely into um, a topic idea that I had that I'm just springing on you right now, by yeah, the way. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, so, what this stems from with this being SmackDown only and the issues that that creates, that all comes from the brand extension. And what I want to know is how long do you think the brand extension goes and do you see any changes getting made to it in the future? Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to see it abandoned anytime soon. I think they've managed to do a good job of keeping it fresh and keeping both shows, honestly, for the most part, different enough to have me compel them for different reasons. Like, I was at the SmackDown um, for a while because of AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose and everything like that. Or really just AJ Styles and the, the matches that he could put on. Right. And SmackDown was very story-driven and also, honestly, in-ring driven in terms of the ring work. While I was into Raw because of Braun Strowman. You know what I mean? Right. Or more to see like the kind of heat that Roman was going to get. Like I watched them both for different reasons and for different reasons that I like wrestling. So as long as they can keep me into both shows and it doesn't feel like I'm watching the same thing. Like, you know, one of the things that people always say about why TNA tends to fail is they try too hard to emulate WWE rather than being their own thing. Mm-hmm. If Raw and SmackDown become too similar, then I'll get sick of it. I think they've done a good job of keeping them as, you know, like I said, separate entities. Um, the Superstar shakeup, I guess, should have been done a lot better. But it was enough to at least uh, shake things up and get some different combinations of things. I don't like the idea of SmackDown just kind of being us. You know, as AJ Styles has net, has now said a couple of times, uh, SmackDown makes them raw, takes them in terms of superstars. <laughs> right. Yeah. And th- and that's what it was in the past too. And that can be very frustrating as a fan sometimes. You you know you get someone over on SmackDown and send them over to Raw to. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, most of the time, flounder in the mid card. Right. But that being said, I don't know. I'm still hoping they continue to go forward with it. I don't want to see it end anytime soon. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I don't see them ending it anytime soon. There's just too much depth to the roster. Um, right. That if you were to not have it be two separate shows, people would just yeah. never get on TV. That's, yeah, that's very true, too. And it also keeps SmackDown important. I mean, who the hell watched SmackDown before the break? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's my point. Because you, you could have your typical three-hour show where the best talent gets on, but then who's falling off to the side? I mean, you probably – Brizongo is probably not getting on TV, and then when they do, they're getting on SmackDown, and nobody's watching it. Right, um, and they're probably just jobbing <clears> anyway <throat> because they know that nobody's watching it. Right, exactly. So – and. Um, the, the, the other thing in regards to that, too, um, oh, damn, uh, even though right now people are ripping on Raw pretty hard in general for ratings, and, I, and, I, and by people, I just mean people are like, wow, Raw is having like record lows in ratings and everything else like that, mm-hmm. I'd venture that WWE's net ratings are up because of SmackDown since the brand split. Oh, I, I would absolutely think that's the case. Yeah. So... Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I will say, right now, I think Raw has been the more entertaining show than SmackDown, lately at least. Um, What I need from them, if they're going to make some changes, I want to see more competition between the two shows. I want them to see it it run more like like two different sports franchises, Um, which I always say, as far as wrestling goes, I, I want it to be run more like a sport, so it's a believable sort of athletic contest. Um, I would like to see it run more like that, more with, you know, somebody doesn't get the job done on SmackDown, they get cut, Raw picks them up, and then they start over, you know, overachieving, and you have to, you know, we watch Shane McMahon deal with the mistake that he made cutting that guy. So, you know, storylines like that, I would like to see um, some more crossover as well. Not not that I need it all the time, but if once a year you're going to sell us on Survivor Series mattering, you need to have... You need to show that sort of brand pride throughout. And I think the only guy showing it right now is AJ Styles. Yeah. But you, you need to well, get that a little bit more often. They had insinuated that with The Undertaker showing up on SmackDown. And that is the complete opposite of what I, what I want. <laughs> to have him come out and say SmackDown's my home and then be on Raw for the next 
however many months leading up and, to WrestleMania. And WrestleMania isn't my legacy and only builds towards a WrestleMania. Yes, page. exactly. That completely destroys the concept of SmackDown versus Raw. And, yeah. like, and you need to you need to build that up if you're going to have us believe in Survivor Series. Well, you, do, you, do you know what the original plan for that was and why that happened and what eventually got scrapped? I do not, no. Um, originally, SmackDown was supposed to lose to Raw at Survivor Series. And The Undertaker was going to call out John Cena as being the leader of SmackDown and not being for them there at Survivor Series because he wasn't on their team. Building to... Taker versus Cena at WrestleMania. Why did they scrap that? <laughs> um, because they didn't think The Undertaker had more than just this WrestleMania left in him and wanted him to do the job to Roman. Ugh. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost makes me want to take back everything I said about Roman earlier. Right. Um, <laughs> I know. Because Cena really wanted the um, Undertaker match, allegedly. If you realize if that would have happened, um, that would have rippled through the entire card. You would have had a completely different WrestleMania. A hundred percent. Like that destroys everything. What do you do with the Miz in that case then? And then what do you I do think, with Roman? I think you would have had Miz Ambrose through WrestleMania instead of going to um, Ambrose Corbin the way that you did. Okay. Um, I Roman. Oh God, what would you have done with Roman? <laughs> Spear versus Spear with Goldberg. If you, but you, the Goldberg Lesnar was too hot to really. Yeah, you, I think that was that, that was planned from the beginning. I don't think that was getting touched. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you would have done with Roman in that case. I guess Braun. Yeah, I guess they could have continued the Braun thing because yeah, that's right. Braun dropped out quick in the in the Battle, Battle Royal. Yeah, yeah, you would have had Roman Braun, and then you, that would have actually changed the whole Braun push that happened after WrestleMania. Right. Jeez. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, ripples through time would have changed yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. Wow. Um, another thing I want to I want to say about the brand split that I, I would like to see change somehow. I'm not sure exactly how, but um, the pay per views and like like we were talking about, Money in the Bank should not be a right. SmackDown pay per view. It, it should be something that goes to both shows. I have um, mixed feelings on the pay per view, so I'm sorry to cut you off real quick. No. It's fine. Um, because initially off the bat, I complained that there's too many of them. They are too frequent. But then when SmackDown started to have eight weeks between pay-per-views, I was like, this is too much. You're right. Um, and for a while, they are keeping it fresh by doing title matches on SmackDown and everything like that. But I feel like they've had a couple of times. The build to WrestleMania was pretty tough for SmackDown. Yes, I agree. I, I think the spacing needs to be better with their pay-per-views because you're right. right. They, that eight weeks in between was crazy. But now... We had Extreme Rules this past weekend. We have yeah, this weekend off. Money in the Bank next weekend. Yeah. Um, it it kind of gets to be too crazy. I don't know if the solution is either just spreading them out or making pay-per-views for both shows or something. I, I, you know? yeah, I, I don't like that either. I don't know what they're – that's the thing is I don't have an answer to this problem. Yeah. Other than like maybe making Raw two hours so there's less content to watch overall. But <laughs> that's just a pipe dream. Right. Well um, – yeah, I don't think you're going to see that anytime soon. But no, of course not. I think the answer is to just spread them out more, make it make it a consistent schedule rather than have it be you know so all over the place. Yeah, and you know if you're going to do it that way, continue to have clean finishes on Raw and SmackDown, but also you know try, don't make it too predictable. Have like title changes you know what i mean make them feel like anything could happen yes you do have to do that as well with both with the actual tv shows because and you need to get you need to yeah. keep it fresh you need to make it believe that something that i'm actually watching for a reason that something could actually happen right because if you're just watching and you're like i know what's going to happen it keeps it stale which is going to lead me to my next point with that too they do this so much to where it annoys me. I understand why they do it. They gotta sell tickets and sell subscriptions, whatever else. They announce the matches that are going to be on the pay per view so far ahead of time yeah. that it just feels like you're watching filler every week until then. Agreed. Like that's what I was saying about the the main event guys right now for the Money in the Bank, where it's just different combinations of singles matches between those six people every single week. And it's been like that for weeks, and it's going to continue to be like that until, you know, the pay-per-view happens. And it's just that's what continues to happen, and it, it's it's tiring. 
Well, and it, it, you know what it comes back to is the the one the problem that we've we've talked about all the time is just booking in general, um, booking these feuds to last as long as they do because it's especially it's cringeworthy when you watch the match on a pay per view and then the next night you watch that same match. Right. Um, it, it just it hurts. It's annoying and it makes me want to turn the you know turn the TV off. It makes paper. It makes pay per views feel like Sunday Night Raw. Yes, exactly. It makes it feel like I shouldn't have wasted my time watching it. Really, like if you're just going to have them have the same match the next night, you know what was that first match worth? It doesn't mean anything, especially with the way that they go with fifty fifty booking all the time. And this past SmackDown was the perfect example of that. Like like a painful example of that because last week you had Dolph Ziggler go over AJ Styles. Um, in the main event, in yeah. what was you know a complete surprise, nobody expects, and that was in Atlanta. Nobody expects AJ Styles to lose to uh, to Dolph Ziggler, and then you just had the same match this week, and AJ Styles won just to completely even it out. Yeah, the fifty fifty booking is ridiculous. It's it's really bad, especially when you're doing it as often as you are. Um, so maybe the problem isn't with <laughs> the brand split. It, it, it can be done very well, even with this erratic pay per view schedule. If you just do a little bit better with the booking. Yep. That's what it always <laughs> comes down to. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that's our uh, our complaining rant about wrestling for the for this, you know, this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it sucks because when they do it good, like we said, they do it so good, like Joe yes. and everything else like yep. that. They just get you into wanting to watch it every week. Right. But I'm willing to bet that, uh, you know, next... Next week on Raw, we see. Let me look. I don't even know what matches we saw. <laughs> um, we'll probably get some more Kalisto, Titus O'Neil. We'll probably get some more Miz Ambrose. We'll probably get, you know, it's just a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Hey, just keep Elias Sampson involved in singing songs to towns. Agreed. Let's let's end on a couple of positive notes because I realized as I was reading through that, we didn't talk about what The Miz did on Raw, his whole celebration. Very awesome. Yes, that was great. Everything he's been doing has been has been phenomenal. Still, I, and <clears> I, I know you have mixed feelings. You're not as high on Ambrose. I'm very into Ambrose still. I like Ambrose as an entertainer. I'm not into his matches as much. Okay. Um, but I don't mind this feud. I think they work very well together. It has come close to running its course. Obviously, Ambrose is going to get his rematch, but uh, I, I eventually you need to freshen it up. You need to get somebody new against The Miz. Um, but great segment on Raw. Uh, <laughs> I said right from the beginning that that bear is Ambrose, and obviously they swerved <laughs> yeah. me on that one. So they did a really good job with that. Um, the other segment was, like you said, Elias Sampson. He's been very entertaining since he since he randomly been drifting around with the guitar. Yeah. So, <clears throat> always good to see some, you know, some positive little things going on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's going to wrap up this episode, unless you have anything else you wanted to add. Um, actually, I do. <laughs> all right. What do you actually, got? just about the Elias Simpson thing. What they've done with him is the perfect thing of how they used to blend backstage segments into other storylines, like bleed everything together. Yeah that they don't do anymore. And if they did it more consistently, that really would help with the storytelling. Because you just occasionally had him strolling through the background in other segments, then got more prominent in the foreground with like Ambrose and Miz, then got a little bit into their feud. And then even that song that he was singing before Ambrose attacked him, one of the, he said the word lunatic in it. Oh, yeah. He, he's made no... Uh, you know, it hasn't been a like, secret that he's been calling out Ambrose with those songs. Right. Um it's awesome the way they've done it. It is. They've, they, they've done a very good job with him, and he's very entertaining. And, and the, the heat that he gets is perfect. <laughs> I was not into him. I, um, yeah, no, I wasn't really into him either, actually, now that I think about it. I don't know if I hated him. I definitely wasn't into him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I like the, how they've been handling him. Hopefully this isn't something that they, you know, go off the rails with, as we've seen with a lot of the young talent from NXT. So Yeah. <laughs> all right well that's going to do it for this episode uh our next episode will be recapping money in the bank talking about uh what should hopefully be a phenomenal money in the bank match and a great women's money in the bank match as well which i'm yeah. really excited for yeah and the in-ring debut of lana yeah that's that's true well 
No, she had a match, you know, like a what? Like a 10 Divas tag match at one point? Well, I mean, for this pre-launch of Wanda on SmackDown. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I think she ate Brie Bella's final pin. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so as always, follow us at Vacant Title on Twitter. Uh, and download, rate, and review on iTunes and Google Play and whatever else you use to listen to a podcast. Um, <clears throat> all right, we'll see you next time. You're looking real jack. You're looking real jack, baby. You've been working out. You're looking, you're looking real jack, baby. You're looking real jack. I mean, look at him. He's, he's, he's looking real jack. He's looking real jack, baby. You're looking good.